You are listening to Keystone's Stock Talk Podcast, episode 173. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We are back this week, starting with a brief discussion on the strength in consumer spending as reports of recessionary fears smack us in the face. Our stock battle is back in the crosshairs this week is Absolute Software Corporation, ABST on the TSX, a provider of SaaS-based endpoint security and data risk management solutions. Brennan charges in with the bull case while Brett tries to maul him with the bear case. It's Alberta versus Saskatchewan in a battle for provincial supremacy. Aaron will act as judge, jury, and executioner for this epic battle. Our Your Stock, Our Take segment will take a look at automotive development, automation development and manufacturing company, ATS Automation Tooling Systems, ATA on the TSX, which plans, designs, builds, commissions, and services automated manufacturing and assembly systems, including automated products and test solutions. A listener asks us our thoughts on the company, which has consistently posted strong growth over a 10-year time period. Aaron will handle our star and dog of the week. The dog this week is Maple Leaf Foods, Inc., symbol MFI on the TSX, which produces packaged food products globally, including prepared meats, and Brennan's favorite wiener, Schneider's, as well as ready to cook and ready to serve meals, snacks, kits, fresh pork and poultry and plant protein products. The stock was down 17% last week after the company released second quarter results. Our surprising star of the week is Coinbase Global Inc., symbol COIN on the NASDAQ, which offers crypto slash trading exchange platform where Individuals can buy and sell cryptocurrencies. The stock IPO'd in May of 2021 at a price of around $340 per share, recently dropped to the $50 range, but posted significant gains this last week after it announced a deal with BlackRock. Is it a sign of a recovery or just a dead cat bounce? Aaron will let you know. So without further ado, let me welcome my co-host, Aaron, Brennan, and Brett. How are you guys doing? Doing Excellent. Well. How are okay, you, Ryan? Good. Great. Getting ready to approaching the end of the summer, yeah. about to enter Getting into the fall season. Getting ready to go season. on vacation. Yeah. So I've already checked out. So I don't even know if I'll listen to this. Actually, you guys are doing a battle. I don't even have to really <laughs> listen. Aaron's going to be the judge, right? And you're going to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I might leave right. for a little bit. Yeah. Get a so beer. this is uh, this is Brett's first battle ever. Brennan first is coming time. in as the uh, as the old line, a little more experienced. Well, a lot more experienced, experienced than actually. Losing. It's true. How many bottles yeah. would you say you have under your belt? Oh. Yeah, almost exclusively. But 
I got quite a few. I don't know, yeah. but I, I had to make sure that Ooh, I wore fifteen bottles. Yeah. My, is that a new my, suit, Brad? Suit. Oh wait, is that red? Is that uh, suit? What it, color is that suit? It is. It's a, it's a burgundy. Yeah, it's like a red burgundy. Okay, I didn't notice yeah. that. It's kind of hard to see with the screen. You know, I have to say that you know what dominated the ratings yes. last week so was Brendan's shirt. He brings it with the burgundy. <laughs> it just it, it went on fire. People were people were loving it or hating it, but everybody yeah. everybody yeah. Had somebody shouted out it, right. So it pretty much dominated everything else. Right, and about yeah. the massive size of my mic, right? So we brought that down. Look, we're listening to the listeners. <laughs> the massive size of my right. what, Brennan? Pardon? My mic, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> family show, Brennan. Yep, your mic. But I didn't notice that you're wearing a burgundy suit. I think so it looks you're good. taking it to the next level again. Although he's, he's yeah. got yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, for, it's, it's interesting though because for me, it's always like, it's always the question in the post-pandemic work world with you know, dress code and like what's appropriate to wear in certain situations like podcasting or in the office or working from home. And Brennan basically made the statement that anything goes yeah. like after that shirt last week, Brennan's basically yeah. well, saying you don't one, even need to one wear time. I'm going to randomly say just anything the goes. camera on down to like what we're wearing below, because, you know, like Brennan may have the suit up top, but he's probably sitting there in shorts or underwear or something like that. <laughs> Oh, fully dressed. I got, impressive. I'm well, fully I'm dressed. I'm fully dressed. No, I promise. I think we already know what's... <laughs> it's true. What Ryan's suit <sighs> looks like. No, Brennan, I think it looks <laughs> yeah. sharp. You look uh, good. You look good. Mm-hmm. So let, let's get into it. Are we, are we in you. a recession? Yeah, this is a you. question. You know, if I thought you looked horrible, I would just are, say Are nothing. we in a Sorry, recession? Ryan, um, it's a question that we we keep getting uh, like on a, on a daily basis in our weekly chat sessions, for sure. We'll probably answer that question tonight. Well, we got some data, uh, July data from MasterCard that, um, you know, that we can comment, comment on here today. And there's, there's some of it right in front of you. Well, I'll, I'll go through it for the people on the podcast uh, who aren't viewing this total retail sales X auto and gas for July accelerated 9%. Um, e-commerce sales growth also reaccelerated up 11.7% in July versus up just 1.1% in June. So, um, you know, real strong growth numbers there. It really says to me that the consumer looks to be continuing to spend, but one thing I'd ask about this, I don't know if you guys know, are those these numbers inflation adjusted or does everybody everything just really cost more, making these numbers look more more robust than they should? I don't know if anybody knows there. Nobody's got anything. I just Yeah, I don't think so. So is everything no. just costing more? We're actually spending less, no. but no. we're trying to or getting less for our money, but the the absolute aggregate dollar number, absolute dollar number looks higher. I'm not sure. It could be there. I would also caution that there's a lagging effect. Again, we talked about this last week, Rick. Well, are you are you asking about yeah, inflation, yeah, exactly. whether or not these numbers factor in inflation? Or if they're or if they're real growth. I, I would say certainly. I, I mean, do. I haven't looked. I'd say certainly I would expect that they factor in inflation. Yeah, I'm not sure if they these do. would be it nominal just, dollars. I don't well, think MasterCard spending numbers. Is it you don't not? think that they did? So I don't think yeah. Okay. That's what well, I mean. I mean that they would be nominal, not real. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree completely. Right. I, I, I think that we're agreeing. Uh, actually, I, I right? would like they would just be the nominal. Yeah, we're exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I would. They're not also adjusted for inflation. That the lagging effect, like we yeah. said last week, of rate hikes and surging inflation can have on spending patterns. One may, 
you kind of can cru cruise along uh, with that same spending pattern that you've had for a couple of years until maybe the credit card bill hits or starts to mount and it becomes you know, real for you. So uh, we may see something like that in terms of what's going into effect right now. But are there any thoughts out there of whether, I mean, if we talk about what a recession is, just generally speaking, it's a period of economic decline signaled by an increase in unemployment, a drop in the stock market, dip in the housing market. An official recession really is not declared until the total value of goods and domestic services. For example, in the U.S., the GDP has declined for its two or more quarters. That's about six months. So that would be your official definition. You can be in one and it hasn't been defined yet. But um, as far as the unemployment side, we're not really seeing that. I mean, we talked about non-farm payroll. It rose last month and the unemployment rate was at 3.5%. So on the employment front, things yep. look good. Uh, you certainly have the side of higher interest rates and higher inflation. Although, you know, are they high? Interest rates are rising. They're still not historically high. Inflation is a real issue for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to say that um, I'm going to say that we're not in a recession. And so if you look at the technical definition uh, in the United States, GDP has declined for two um, consecutive quarters. So that would, I believe, yeah. fit that that description. Um, so those are sequentially not year over year declines. Those are se sequential declines. Um, but as you said, Ryan, the, the employment, I mean, like people, there's tons of work right? Like people are making money. Inflation is high, but wage growth is also positive. Um, you have record low unemployment. You had a surprisingly strong jobs number um, last month in, in the United States. Now in Canada, we actually, GDP wise, we actually haven't hit the, we haven't seen those two consecutive quarters of decline. So, you know, technically you couldn't even argue that we are. Um, our jobs numbers were weaker. We lost some jobs last month, but the the unemployment rate is still basically at a, at a historic low. So I think that, you know, it's almost like we're in something different where everybody's just kind of like sitting and waiting. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at some nice weather, you're on the beach, it's sunny, everything's great, but you know, the bad weather's coming in. It's just a matter of like when and how bad it's going to be. So I don't think that we're there yet, but I do, I, I, I do think it's almost like it's something different, right? Because it's not, yeah. it's also just not I mean, your normal, expanding even on, economy either even on the inflation side aaron like it's different because like the supply chain issues that we saw if those are corrected or alleviated we could see pressure easing uh, you know and, and it's not Certainly. just from rising rates like that could you know i mean there's an argument to me made there as well so it is really extraordinary or unique times that we're into now can i share my screen for a sec here i'm just going to pop up a couple no of charts. so these are just like just what commodity prices um have been doing recently. Let's uh, make sure I'm doing this properly. You guys see? Yeah. We see. Okay. So, so this, for example, this is just copper. So we'll look at like some commodity prices, right? So big decline of copper from the, from the peak up around, you know, 480 down about 360. Um, and same, you know, same story for most, for most commodities Large right now. Yeah. So, so what do we have here? This is iron ore, you know, way down um, from its, you know, over the last year and also from this peak in March, um, you know, like look at lumber. Lumber is, is down significantly from its highs, right? Even something like, um, 
like oil, if you go to crude oil, I mean, it's not down significantly, I would say, but it, it got up around 120 earlier in the year. You know, now we're down about 90 um, and gasoline as well. So this is US. So if you're driving in Vancouver, don't say that's not what that's I pay not for what gas. I pay for um, gas. You know, peaking at about $4 in June and now down to about two two eighty eight per gallon. So, I mean, there's been certainly on the commodity price side, there's yeah, been sure. a big, so it, it there's is, been a lot of downward pressure on, um, yeah, on prices. Let me stop sharing here. For sure. And you think that that's going to start to trickle, start trickling the labor market. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's, that's a completely different beast. It hasn't shown signs of, of softening yet. Yeah. Like just to look at the non-farm payroll, the NFP, like the U S economy ended up adding 530,000 jobs uh, in July and the consensus estimate no was only 250,000. So, you know, it's looking very robust, you know, at least, uh, you know, how much jobs they're adding. But I mean, Sorry, I, 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 I want to see, I want to see some weakness in the job market, right? Sure. Like that, that's what For I sure. want because until we start like to see that, week. or until we start to see inflation come under control, the central banks are going to continue to increase interest rates. And that's really what's dragging on investor sentiment um, right now. But I, I mean, I do think, you know, if, if I'm looking, I'm never going to try and predict what's going to happen with inflation, what's going to happen with interest rates. But I certainly see if you're looking at this from like a monetary expansion perspective, um, we should start to see, we should start to see inflation ease around the end of the year. Um, and as well, that's when all of these like lower commodity prices, assuming they remain lower, should also start to show up in the inflation number. Because right now we're still comparing ourselves year over year um, with, you know, relatively lower figures. But once we start you comparing got... ourselves with, you know, the first quarter of 2022, um, we I, I would definitely expect to start to see some easing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much of it's just energy, too. Like, it, you can just look at this guy. He, he was the U.S for the last CPL numbers, how much of that's energy right there? Mm -hmm. A big bar there. And so energy right now, I think is at the lowest price, um, crude oil anyway, since the war in Ukraine started right now. Yeah, that, right. yeah, that's. Yes, yeah. yeah, and there's a couple other, but as an aside, do you guys know why they call it non Because it's payroll? all the jobs except for farming, right? That, that it goes. Yes, yeah, and there's a couple other, but farming why? Farming seasonal, I'm gonna go with. Why are they excluding guess, the farmers? Why are we getting rid of the farmers? What do we have against farmers or what are the US? It it actually go it goes yeah. back. Here's a rare fact. I don't know why I know this. It goes back to like, I think it was the US Department of Agriculture, like in the 1800s. Maybe I'll do the video on this first, one other. But I think they, they this is when like half of America farmed right so you know i i believe they did it for a couple of reasons there is cyclicality or seasonality they had farm workers working like half the year or, or around harvest season but also like it, it would have dominated the statistics mm -hmm. completely right so they wanted to look at the rest of the economy as the economy was evolving but that i makes believe sense. that's the reason maybe i'll look at yep. it but i mean now now I think it's like half a percent of. So of you may as well just include it and just say payroll, right? Right. Because it's not going to move <laughs> yes, the needle that much anyways. So why, um, why don't we start a campaign to get the farmers? I mean, construction back on is. There? Like, why are we discriminating? Why are we calling this non-farmers? That's a good point too. So. I love me farmers. too. Yeah. Saskatchewan. Them back, right? There we go. Alberta. Exactly. Speaking of Alberta and Saskatchewan. 
I, I hear we have a battle. Let's get to a debate, Ruin. right? Or wait, no, we have, we have, we still wanted to look at, um, there was a little interesting bit of news this week. Um, okay. Amazon yep. bought iRobot. Uh, it's kind of iRobot famous for their Roombas. Do you have one? I, have have one. I bought two. Yep. I bought two. I never use it though. Yeah. Never. <laughs> you end up just vacuuming. I, it doesn't even good. look good. It's like in a corner somewhere. Actually, we may have just gotten rid of it by now. I don't know. We used it for the first <laughs> while. You know, it's it's actually it's it worked fine. Um, you know, this was probably like eight years ago or something. So maybe the the tech has improved since then. But I just found like you just you know you kind of had to do like a lot of prep in the room before you let it go, like just making sure that everything was you know out of its way and. It's really almost as easy. And you also have yeah. to do the corners. It's not good at the corners. So it's almost as easy for me anyways, just to vacuum the room. I mean, if I'm going to go through all of that, then just vacuum the room yourself. Yeah. Once again, you know what Aaron it's really good for though is maintenance, house, right? right? Like you just let it go and it's it's not going to do the main yeah. job, like the heavy cleaning, but it's something you could just, you could throw it out there like once a week or twice a week or something. And it will, um, it'll kind of maintain things decently. Yeah, my mom always complains because my dad thinks that it does the heavy cleaning. So uh, my dad thinks that yeah. that's vacuuming around it's the house. The and, uh, yeah, it's all yeah. the Roomba. Uh, sorry, dad, oh, throwing you under you the bus. S- yeah, you just, uh, you're poor mom, right? Yeah. That's what I can say. Yeah. As you say, she's a saint, right? She, Colleen is a saint. Yep. Well, Colleen is a saint. Name in there. We're good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, but they Amazon is it has been in the robotics space. They um, acquired a company named Kiva Systems, and but that was more robotics, fully focused on warehouse fulfillment. But this is they do have one robot that I don't know if you guys have seen it. That it's kind of like your mobile Alexa, and it's called Astro. It's like a cheery bot that'll follow you around. It even has like a tray to fetch a few things. Yeah. I think I think like with Alexa, the goal is to follow you around and kind of have it, you know, do what you're told, do what it's told, clean, fetch things. Kind of sounds like a pitch for Brennan's dating. <laughs> that's, that's what I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, I think that that's the idea. Anyways. Like with the robotics, the home robotics is the the million mm-hmm. or the multi billion dollar trillion dollar technology is when you can actually, you know, have your own made essentially a robotic made in your house doing all the work i think that you know it's probably a little ways from that um we are probably a little ways can't from be that. soon enough right mm. can't be soon be enough. a little weird though it's true yeah be a <laughs> little weird. weird yeah it would be totally so let's let's get to uh our battle because i'm excited to see how this turns out um in the crosshairs <laughs> this week like we said is Absolute Software Corporation made a really significant acquisition over the past year. Uh, Brennan has the bull case. Do you want to go first? or I will go Brent first, yes. Unless you want to go first, Brett. No, you go right we ahead. We flip for this okay, one. Just, I will uh, go first. I'm going to set up my timer Aaron, are right you here. ready? Are you ready? Do you got a stopwatch? <laughs> yeah, I, stopwatch. I have one here. Yeah, timer, whatever we use these days. Yeah, this time I didn't do a slideshow presentation because you know I really had to uh, take it. But well, you're Aaron, saying but, you don't you don't even you take know. Brett seriously you enough. Any quotes to, to do? Yeah. Oh, I take him seriously. I'm just uh, oh, wow. taking I'm it easy on him. Uh, we'll see if that oh. was. We'll see if that's wise. Is he taking it easy pieces. on you? 
No, probably uh, not. Probably well, not. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to say up front right now, Absolute Software is a company that I'm familiar with. I've looked at it multiple times in the past. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys... So you know uh, beforehand that I'm going to win. Brennan. Yeah. And I think I think All it right. may be a changed company. <laughs> What's that? It may be yeah. a changed changed company <laughs> since the last time you saw it, Aaron. Uh, maybe not the last time, but it has gone through a lot of changes. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, Brennan. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, let me. Um, I am Actually, ready. change the alarm here because that would be really funny. Here we go. Ah! All right. Bull versus bear. Stock battle. This makes for great rating. Twinkle Bell ending the stock battle would be less climactic. Okay. Um, are you ready, Brennan? Yeah. I'm ready. Go. Number one. Absolute has sticky revenue with annual recurring revenue of $202 million. Plus, it operates in one of the fastest growing industries with Fortune Business Insights projecting a compound annual growth rate of 13% to 2029. The company has a solid runway of growth following the net motion acquisition and is looking to expand into Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. The company grew organically at 18% in the last quarter and has supplemented growth with acquisitions, trading with an enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of 17 times. It's a quality name that can offer value over the next three to five years. Though the company has levered up, it has a net debt to adjusted EBITDA multiple of 4.3 times and an interest coverage ratio of 1.8 times, which should be sustainable. Plus, the dividend could always be reduced, adding a margin of safety for the debt. Number four, Absolute provides investors risk or higher risk investors the option option for some exposure to a Canadian technology cybersecurity stock that pays a dividend yield of 2.5%. Okay. Ooh, I made okay. it through that. I don't know why this didn't ring louder, but... A little uh, stumbling though, a little stumbling. That's all right. Thank you. So you ended right that's on okay. time. You ended no, right on time. Good. Okay. Yeah. With some stumbling, so excellent. Yep. Um, okay, <laughs> Brett, are you ready? I'm gonna have to get a better ringer next time. Okay, I'm ready, Brett. Go. <laughs> Absolute is an overleveraged company hiding in its risk beyond reasonable return. The company has a massive debt to equity ratio of 35 times because it's been unable to produce income or running a deficit over the life of the company, and has now taken on massive debt of 278 million. Sure, it might have cash flow, but that's only because it receives cash up front. For its services. Once new customers dry up, cash flow will drop dramatically, ultimately leading to problems servicing its significant interest payments. Two, the valuation is way too high. The company trades at a sky high EV to adjusted EBITDA of 70 times, a price to adjusted earnings of 22 times. The earnings and adjusted EBITDA would need to rise dramatically to justify these valuations. You may say that acquisition of that motion would justify these valuations, but the problem is they overpaid. They paid 342 million. 68% of that was $234 million of goodwill, which is just accounting speak for overpaying. The, soft, the industry of software security is highly competitive and constantly evolving. The company prides itself on being the first year of trust network access, but being first just makes an easier path for larger players to enter and push out over leveraged companies. Time. Time. That was a lot. All right. That was a lot. That was Good a job, lot. Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank okay. You. Absolute software. So as I said, a company that I have looked at myself several times in the past. Um, so you, you, you both brought up some some valid points. Sometimes you were both arguing like when it came to the balance sheet, Brennan was saying that the balance sheet was okay. Uh, Brett was saying that the balance sheet was over leveraged. 
right? 18% organic growth on revenue. That's great, Brendan. You never mentioned anything about earnings growth or cash flow growth, though. So, you know, I did make note of that. Um, but then again, neither did you, Brett, right? So is cash flow down? Is it up? Is it flat? Like, I, I don't know. A little history on this company. So um, Absolute Software, it used to be it used to be what we call a cash-rich business. So it had a huge net cash balance. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we were really interested in it because we we like we like these types of companies because they have the flexibility to go out and make these big acquisitions without taking a lot, on a lot of debt. So Absolute Software, they don't, they went out, they made the big acquisition, but they also took on a lot of debt, and their balance sheet afterwards just completely, um, it, it just it it completely changed, right? So now instead of being a net cash business, they uh, they're a high leverage business. I'm just going to come out right and say like that's one of the reasons why I don't like the company. It's a high leverage business, four point three times. Uh, net debt to EBITDA, that's high, especially for a technology stock. You know, typically in this industry, we would want to see below two, sometimes even net cash. Uh, 1.8 interest coverage, that's really low. That's that's low. I would consider that low even for, for a real estate investment trust. 35 times debt to equity. Now, that's extremely high. The only thing is that like equity is an accounting item. It doesn't necessarily reflect the, the true value of the assets, um, but that's that's extremely high. I don't mind the valuation of 22 times adjusted EPS if you know that that organic uh, growth is transferring into really strong earnings growth and cash flow growth on a per share basis. Um, but last time I looked, it's not, and neither of you have really um, told me anything that's different. So I have to just assume that um, the company has kind of continued to under, underperform on on that basis. Right away is when I'm looking at this company, the balance sheet just puts me off. So I'm going to give this one to Brett for his first win, his first what? victory. What? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's share. What? Congratulations. Finish him. But you want to know what? So I, I, I do have to say that I didn't realize we were doing a battle until this morning. And um, I took a look at the company because Brennan had, had mentioned that he was taking the four position. And I saw the what company he was taking the four position on, and I'm like, well, he must be up against Ryan, and Ryan has just duped him into taking like basically an unwinnable, we, we flipped the coin. An unwinnable we fight the coin. here. But, okay, well that's yeah. Well, I know it was Brett. Yeah, yeah I flipped the coin too. It, yeah. Really well, you can't accuse yeah. Brennan. You can definitely not accuse Brennan of you know doing something underhanded to get the better position here because I knew he had an extreme uphill yep. battle. Uh, so it's a good one for Brett. Great victory. I will admit, though, you're kind of throwing a softball there. So, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, may, may have been um, lost still, on the flip still of the coin. props to you. Yeah. Yeah. Or one. Yeah. One on this one, I would say it was pretty much lost in the flip of the coin with that balance sheet um, and without either of you really getting into the, the earnings growth. You know, I just don't see how Brennan could have. Yeah. I just think one. the yeah. balance sheet is, I mean, it, you know, me and Brett were talking before and I think mm -hmm. we both knew. I do. I do know it on the company. Cash flow from operating activities was up to 17 million mm -hmm. from 7.3 in the last period. So some of those multiples that we're quoting there may come down mm -hmm. um, if the company can continue to execute it, acute as it did in the last quarter. There's not one thing I can say. There's just not a lot of great tech in Canada. We'd love to have a few more t great tech stories, and we're continuing to look for them. But uh, you know the breadth of technology companies is not there. And that's why one of the reasons why we look to the U S often for tech exposure in our uh, mm -hmm. portfolios. 
It just, it's you true. just don't find it in Canada. And, you know, when we review many companies, if it is a good company, it's either very, very expensive or they're just, you know, there's whale crap companies that are just at the bottom. That, and we're not saying absolute is that. It's certainly probably somewhere in the middle. No, it's it's a legitimate company. It just yeah, hasn't performed. I mean, I've been looking at it for it, years. Yeah. It just, I think that it's underperformed. If I, if memory is, serves me targets post-acquisition, um, maybe it's going to turn it around. Yeah. I really hope it does because we need more great technology stories in the Canadian market. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting watching it, you know, pay down its debt moving forward. Let's see what it can do, you know. But yeah, I, I agree with the conclusion. You know, I definitely didn't deserve to uh, to win that. No. No. Far from. Yeah. You deserve better, Brent. Yeah, thanks. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. I'm going to get to our Your Stock, Our Take of the week. It's on ATS Automation Tooling Systems, Inc. ATA on the TSX trades around $42. It's just under $4 billion in market cap. What does the company do? Well, they were founded in 1978. Plan, design, build, commission, and service automated manufacturing and assembly systems, including automation products and test solutions. They operate in five segments, the largest of that being life sciences, then comes food and beverage, transportation, consumer, and energy. Now, let's look at financially how the business has performed over the past 10 years and all but one of the last, again, 10 years. It has a solid history of operating income growth, and it has posted revenue growth in all but one of those 10 years. So solid track record there. Uh, fiscal last year, essentially 2022, uh, it grew its revenues 53% to $2.18 billion. The company's operating margins were three point, or 13.4%, uh, which is within management's current expected range of 13 to 15. 15 would be a long-term target. Uh, their gap net income grew by 68% uh, in the fourth quarter. Order book bookings grew, grew by 38%. And the company, the company does have a net debt position of $966 million, but the debt to equity ratio is slightly, and it's slightly higher, but it's just 1.12 times. Uh, the company has an interest coverage ratio of 5.8 times. Um, so, you know, th there's some look at its balance sheet as a look at the last quarter and year end as well. Uh, as far as on a valuation basis, the company has a price to earnings ratio right now trailing of 32.5. Enterprise to EBITDA is around 14. And on a gap basis, it's uh, about that's on a gap basis, 14.26 times on an adjusted basis. Price to free cash flow is around 24.3 right now. So we see the company positioning itself to be a significant player in the automation industry. The company has been aggressively pursuing acquisitions, which have increased financial leverage due to the debt taken on to purchase these acquisitions, but it remains manageable and could help push the overall margins up to management's long-term goal of around 15%. Well, consolidated growth was very strong in fiscal 2022, organic growth, while decent, was in the range of 10% in the fourth quarter and may not be enough to justify a PE of over 32. So analysts are expecting continued growth in 2023. If the company's PE can move back closer to, say, the 2025 range, it may look more attractive. They have been run well over the long term and grown revenues, again, over the last 10 years, quite well. 
but we find it we would find it more compelling on a pullback maybe in the 20 to 30 percent range right now we just sit on the sidelines and monitor this company but it does have a good track record of growth for sure you can certainly do worse in the market is what it's yeah, if, if you look at the historic track record of this company, the historic growth, I mean, I would say it would just be, it would be uh, a no-brainer of a, of a buy. But, you know, really we need to look for it. Is that growth sustainable? So, you know, 50% growth in revenue. Well, if you look at analyst estimates, they're expecting, I believe, about like 5 to 8% Significant growth in earnings per share this year in acquisition on average. So growth is expected to slow. Acquisition, and that's that's the thing. Are they going to be able to continue making acquisitions? Some companies are in an industry where they do almost have an unlimited um, source of acquisitions to make, and they can continue to grow like that. Others, it's going to be very spotty. Um, so you really have to look more at the the organic growth. But I, the, the fundamentals look great. Just a matter of you know where where does the where do the where does the growth go from? For here? sure. Any further comments on that company, or should we move to Aaron's star and dog? Let's move on. Let's get to those. Right? Yeah. yeah. Aaron, you're, you want to do, you want to dog okay, it first let's, or you want to start? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. I like to leave the, the, you know, leave more positive, positive breakdown for last. You're, you're so, so yeah. brilliant. Exactly. So exactly. your star of the week yeah. is? Okay. <laughs> we'll oh, get to that. Jump. We'll get to that, my friends. I know, okay. I was, just, I was, I was screwing <laughs> I'm going to go to the dog <laughs> first. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, Jack. From our stars and dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. Dog of the week. We're going to start with Maple Leaf Foods here. They are a food packaging and processing company. They they offer prepared meats, ready to cook, ready to serve meals. Brands include Maple Leaf, Schneider's, Greenfield, along with many others. So this is a $2.8 billion market cap company. Trades for about $22. They're based in Mississauga, but they own 29 processing facilities across Canada. Um, just uh, just last week on Wednesday, the, stocks, the stock uh, released its Q2 results. Price was down 17% after the release of the results. So were these results so bad? Well, let's take a look. Revenue up 3.1%. Uh, operating margin down 60% from 5% last year to 2% this year. So Right away, as we see a major decline in operating margins, but also just a really low margin, almost break even at 2%. And then adjusted earnings per share, nil for the quarter compared to 29 cents last year. So, yeah, I would say uh, at face value, these results were really horrendous. Looking at some additional financial stats, three year growth rate of 8.7% per year. Now, that growth rate has declined recently. Net debt to EBITDA multiple of about four times, a little over four times. I would say that that's slightly leveraged balance sheet. Now, this is a manufacturing company. It's a very capital intensive industry. We would expect them to have debt, but still four times net debt to EBITDA. That's on the high side for me. And then price to earnings 44 times. So I would consider this expensive, particularly when looking at the state of the company's financial performance. Now, what I would normally do looking at these numbers is I would just disregard this company completely. However, if you look at analyst estimates, analysts are actually expecting a lot of growth, a little bit of growth this year, but a dollar eleven in earnings from 103 last year. Um, but earnings doubling in 2023 based on analyst estimates. Now, I'm going to tell you, I would not trust these estimates as far as I can throw them. Do not depend on analyst estimates. But it's at least worth looking into why do analysts believe there's going to be such a big increase in earnings per share next year. 
Well, I did a little bit of looking around and the company is making some investments into its operations. Um, one of the things that it's doing is it's building a new plant in London, Ontario. And once this plant is fully operational, which would actually be the end of 2023, uh, it's expected to generate about 100 million annually in adjusted EBITDA. So that's about a quarter's worth of EBITDA. So there is some growth potentially on the horizon for this company. Um, but, you know, you'd really have to dig in deeply to find out if analysts projections are uh, just basically ridiculous or if there's maybe something there. So what's the conclusion on Maple Leaf Foods, dog of the week? The fundamentals have really deteriorated this year and the valuation looks expensive based on trailing earnings. We could look into the analyst estimates and see why they're expecting so much growth in 2023. But right now we would not purchase shares of the company in its current state until we had more information. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. Star. And next, we will go to our Star of the Week. Uh, very topical. Coinbase Global Inc. Uh, coin is the symbol. Trades on the NASDAQ exchange. So they are a cryptocurrency financial infrastructure company. Essentially, what they do is they provide a crypto trading or exchange platform where individuals can buy and sell cryptocurrencies. The company just IPO'd in 2021 in May at a price of $340. Right now, it's about a $25 billion market cap company. So this company is up over 50% over the last five days. Now, don't get too excited here. The stock is also down 73% over the last 12 months. So definitely a lot of information to unpack to figure out what's going on. Uh, but what is the reason why this company would have such a big move over the past five days? Well, certainly it's not the company's financial performance. Now, the Q2 results are actually due out tomorrow on August 9th. Um, so we'll have to look a couple months back at the Q1 results. But still, negative uh, 27% revenue growth year over year in the quarter. Operating cash flow was negative 830 million compared to 3.4 billion. Um, adjusted EPS was almost negative $2 compared to a positive $3.80. Now, there's a lot of noise in these figures, just the way that they, they uh, report their financials, almost like a bank. So when you look at that operating cash flow in Q1 of 2021, you know, there's a lot of that, which is actually capital money received um, from, their, from their users in the form of deposits. So that's not really their money. Uh, but what 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 is then? It's certainly not the financial results. So what is it that has driven the stock 50% in the last five days? Well, the company on August 4th announced a partnership with BlackRock, where essentially Coinbase is going to offer their cryptocurrency platform to institutional investors at BlackRock. And they think that there is major potential in this. Now, beyond that, of course, there's a few other things that happened in response. Um, certainly meme traders started to pile into the stock. And also there's been a short squeeze. With the, with the share price moving up. So does this mean that the company is a buy at the current price? Well, I would say no. Uh, for us, the fundamentals have deteriorated. Over $800 million cash burn in the quarter. So that's a lot of money that they're burning through. They cannot keep that up. It is not sustainable. They have $3.3 billion in debt and no current operating cash flow. If you are to look at the company's balance sheet, you're going to see a big cash balance of about six $6.7 billion dollars. But don't believe that, because if you look onto the liabilities segment of the balance sheet, you're going to see that there are deposits owed to the company's users of about 12 to $12.5 billion. So this is not cash flow. This is not a cash balance that they're able to use to pay off their debt. Now, 
The big potential here is in the deal with BlackRock. And I think that likely there is probably some big potential there. But ultimately, we need to see concrete results. And it's still speculation until we see that. The results are due out tomorrow, August 9th. We can take another look. But right now, certainly, it looks highly speculative, high risk. We are not buyers. And that's all I have to say about that. Excellent. Thanks for the summary. I mean, as I understand, too, with Coinbase, like relative to other traditional exchanges, they charge a relatively high fee. And and like I would I would think that over time like that as the competitors come in uh, would that not be eroded the margin be eroded over time so that would be something to look at. Yeah, definitely, and and that's what I mean. That's 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 about understanding the business, right? It's you know you can look at the financials, you can look at what they've done historically. If you look at the trailing um, financials on this company, I mean they had last year you know very strong cash flow. Um, at least, you know, when you look at the headline numbers, but you really would need to look at what's going forward and understanding the competitive landscape is a big part of that. So this and is, you know, it's, it's, it's a complicated market. And maybe I'm wrong, but do you have less and less um, ancillary coins out there over time to some of them just drop off and then you don't have the trading volumes in those uh, ancillary type coins? You right? think so? I, you know, I mean, yeah, that I is completely think, true. That's, that's, yeah. that's, I would say that's an understatement. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to put it like politely sort of, I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah, no, I <laughs> like there's uh, a bunch of yeah. crap coins or what we can call them, lot. whatever. Yeah. They're going to drop off, right? They're hundreds, just hundreds gone. Something. Yes. So there was a lot. <laughs> yes, there was a bunch of trading volume, literally, and it was literally called that. So yes, yeah, that is some, a, yeah, actual yeah. term that is used. Yeah, well, so. we're not making that up. Yes. No. So, yeah, anyways, but no. those will all drop off, you'd think. So the mm-hmm. volume that was gained in those and the fees that were gained out of every transaction from those coins should drop off. I mean, I guess you could say the bull case would be there'd be more in the bigger coins over time. Yeah, we'll. we'll that remains to be seen. Uh, I think that's going to end it off for this week. We'll thank everybody for their comments. Any shout outs you wanted to do, Brennan, or anything on the comments there? Just keep commenting on Brennan's outfits. Yeah, really thanks, like Tyler. Hear that. Just no, keep commenting. Got, we we love the engagement, so we're going to Yeah, if you've got any respond. questions, put them in the comments. We'll answer them there mm-hmm. as well, or you know, just email them into us, the traditional or old email, or you can you know tweet us, or you can... Hit us anywhere on social media and we'll answer the questions that way as well. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-hosts for hosting with you and wish you all profitable investing. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.